Okay. Okay, now, uh, yesterday, uh, we threw a party for Eva. It was her birthday, and we threw a birthday party for her. And this is the first party where, previously we've done parties, but it's generally just been family. This is the first one that was like a proper party where she got to choose who came along. And uh, with it falling so close to Christmas, it's kind of can be a bit of a... Uh, not an issue, that's not the right word, that sounds really mean. I'm trying to think what to say. An ah! An ah, as Chef said. Where, where you, the build-up is to Christmas, and then Christmas happens, and then you're like, okay, so we've got the birthday to come as well. And uh, So the last week or so has been pretty busy with us getting things sorted for this party, and uh, we've got to a stage on, so it's Friday night going into Saturday morning, the party was on Saturday morning, uh, and we were up quite late, just making sure we're like, let's get everything as prepared as we can and ready, so when we get up in the morning, even there were lists of stuff to do in the morning, so we knew where everything was, what needed to be taken out the fridge, and all this kind of stuff, so we're ready to go, uh, and we got to the point where we're like, okay, so we need to go to bed, hopefully if everyone sleeps well, we've set our alarms for this time, give us plenty of time to get stuff done in the morning, that was the plan okay three o'clock in the morning our son Isaac wakes up decides I'm not just I'm not just slightly stirring he's like this is morning right three o'clock this is how things work so he woke up Steph goes in to see him and I can hear him and he's asking to go downstairs and I'm just like this isn't necessarily going to be great and uh, so Steph sat up with him for a while hoping that after a little while he'd go back to sleep that boy did not have a nap until one o'clock that afternoon okay so he'd gone through all that time and me and Steph between us uh, Steph I will say Steph was up with him for longer but then swapped so she could get some rest so already the way that we thought that day was going to go it's kind of like okay so it's not quite going to go as we expected it too. Then when we got to the party, one of the things that we planned to do was for the children to decorate their own party bags. So it would be quite nice for them to decorate their party bags, which meant that we hadn't pre-packed the bags. We were going to have to do it when we got there. Got halfway through the party. I was just about to kick off a game of Pass the Parcel, as every good party should have a game of Pass the Parcel. And me and Steph were having a chat. Okay, what still needs to be done? Then I suddenly think, I haven't seen the bag that's got all the things for the gift, all the things for the gift bags for the children to take home. And we're like, we think we've left it at home. Picked up everything else apart from this thing. And so I was like, right. Uh, I went through the game of Pass the Parcel. As soon as the Pass the Parcel had gone, I, just, I, I literally ran out of the Alexander Centre where, we where we were. And I ran through the streets. Have you ever seen people when they're, they're, they're running? And you're like, you're not dressed for running. Something's happened. And you're kind of like, I wonder. And you kind of guess. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's going on. I was that guy yesterday. I was running through the streets. And people were probably wondering what was going on. Which now makes me think, if you ever see someone running, it could be to do with gift bags. You never know what's going on so I was running and we managed to get it sorted got back in plenty of time to get that going but again how we thought the day was going to go just wasn't wasn't playing out the way that we thought it was so we had the party it was it was a really lovely time it was really great uh, and then what we planned to do was to go and have a meal somewhere so we'd done the thing with everyone and we thought we'll just go as a family and have a meal and Steph had the brilliant idea of let's cash in our club card vouchers uh, and then use that to help cover the the meal and actually we, we had enough to cover the majority of the meal that we were going to have went and enjoyed a really lovely meal uh, and we went to pay gave the voucher to the guy he comes back and says everything on the menu is covered by this voucher apart from the things that you have chosen to cover <laughs> so again we're just like really we're like okay and uh, <laughs> We and Steph just had this look, just looked at each other. Fair enough, we should have checked the small print, but in the moment we didn't. But we looked at each other and I said to Steph, I was like, 
your step was like, I, why, why is this happening? How does this happen? And I'm like, I bet there's an illustration in it for a sermon. And I was right, because this is why I'm sharing it now. Uh, and then, on the way home, a journey that we've done quite a few times, we've been at Westwood Cross. For some reason, I decided that we're driving off down to Sandwich rather than driving home. And again, it's just another thing. I'm just like, all of these things, the way that we thought the day was going to go, our experience just didn't match up to what our expectations or what our understanding was going to be. I wonder if this is something that you can relate to. These are all kind of, they're all minor things, and as a one-off, maybe we wouldn't have thought much of it, but it just got to that point where it's like, I feel like God's trying to tell us something here yesterday. But maybe you've experienced that as well. You can relate to it, where your understanding, or, or your, your understanding or expectation of a situation, or perhaps of a person, doesn't match the actual experience that you go through. And I say, the silly little examples that I was sharing there, but maybe for you, it's actually been something that's been a a harder journey for you to travel, where you thought your understanding of the way something was going to go, or the way someone is, just doesn't match your experience of them. And it can be this case when it comes to God, where our theology of God, or our understanding of God, of who he is, it doesn't always correspond to our actual experience of his ways. And we can be left in that place of, but God, I thought you were like this. But when I look around, I just, what I see and what it appears that you're doing just doesn't match with what I can see. Can you relate to that? Where it's just like, actually, it just, there's a bit of a disconnect here between what I, I think I understand and what I'm actually experiencing of you. And this is the situation that a prophet, a prophet named Habakkuk, experienced. And it's the book of Habakkuk that we're going to be journeying through in this new series. So if you've got your Bibles with you, if you can turn to Habakkuk, he's one of the minor prophets. Uh, Helpfully read somewhere, someone pointed out they weren't minor prophets because they were less important. It was just that they had less to, in a way they had less to say, the books are shorter. So there are 12 minor prophets, one of them being Habakkuk. Now, we have to understand what it was that prophets do, what their role is. And ultimately, the prophet's role particularly in in the Old Testament, is this, was to call God's people back to him. To remind them of the covenant promise that had been made with God. So there was a promise that God had his chosen people. He said, you will be my people, I will be your God, but there were laws that they were to observe. So there was this sense of actually there's an obedience to God. And what prophets do is that they bring the nation and the leaders back to obedience. They're calling them back and very often what we see is that they then share the consequence of what would happen if they weren't to kind of heed the warning and weren't to act on it. And if you've read through the prophets, if you've spent any time in there, they can be hard to understand. It can be hard to understand sometimes the language that you, that's used and, this, and kind of the, the response that, that is given and, and uh, what the prophets say about what God is going to do. It can, they can be uncomfortable to read. Again, because maybe our understanding of who God is doesn't quite match with what we're, what we're reading here. They can be hard. And there may be a temptation that we want to avoid them because they can be hard to understand or because they can be uncomfortable to read. But the messages of the prophets are messages that we need today. They are messages we need today because we too need that call to keep walking with God. Just as God's people have had to have all the, all the way through their history, we too need that reminder, don't we? That call, actually, we need that call to be obedient to God. And the message of the prophets, for all of the prophets, the message is that ultimately 
the people are in need of a saviour and that God will send a saviour. And they speak about what would happen when Jesus came into the world. It's what the prophets did. They said, you, the, you need someone really to come and rescue you and to come and save you. And they pointed the way to Jesus. If we read through the prophets, we'll spend some time looking at the prophets, often what we'll find is that they're addressing nations or leaders. And that's what we'll read. This is their address to the nation. This is their call to the nation or to the leaders of that nation. But Habakkuk is different. Because what we see when we uh, spend time in Habakkuk is that this isn't Habakkuk addressing the nation. This is a conversation that takes place between him and God. It's a dialogue that takes place. Someone, as I was researching, they said it's almost like you get a glimpse into, into his journal almost. This is Habakkuk's journey with God and what he's wrestling with. And this conversation really is, is a journey. What we'll see hopefully is that he goes on a journey on this process because where he starts, and this is where we're going to be starting today, is just with a real sense of frustration disappointment, we could even call it some sort of a protest. Habakkuk is protesting before God, but by the end, it's only three chapters, so it's not a particularly long book, so he goes from this place of protest, but he ends up in a place of praise. And it's a really interesting journey that he goes on, and that's what we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks. And through the series, we'll see this journey, and we'll discover what happens to move Habakkuk from this place of protest to a place of praise. I think there's a couple of aims, really, uh, with these series, or main aims for this series. The first thing, as with what the prophets did, is that the prophets teach us so much about God's character. They reveal to us about who God is and what his character is like. And we're going to see that as we go through Habakkuk together. We'll learn more about the character of God. But the second thing, the second aim, my second hope, is that actually this will deepen for each of us, this will deepen our friendship with God. So we're going to start, we're going to read through from Habakkuk 1. Carrie, would you like to come and read? I've asked Carrie if she will come and read the verses to us today. We're going to be reading from 1 to 11. So if you want to follow that in your Bibles, as Carrie reads, it's great, or it's going to be up on the screens as well. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw Habakkuk's complaint. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And will you not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralysed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounded the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And the Lord's answer. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome, their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on, 
Their horsemen come from afar, they fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it, and then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own might is their God. Okay, so we need to understand a little bit of the context that Habakkuk is speaking into. So he's a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah, and he was prophesying around 605 BC, so 605 years before Jesus was born. And this was a time of great upheaval for Judah. They'd lived through the reign of King Josiah. King Josiah was a good king, and he'd called the nation back to God. But in 609 BC... Josiah is killed in battle and he's succeeded by a son, but his son is wicked. And then three months after that, he is succeeded by another of Josiah's sons who is even worse than that son who had come before. This was a nation that was in danger. The first thing they were in danger of was the wickedness within the nation itself. We, as um, Carrie was just reading... We see that actually it says that the wicked surround the righteous. There's, uh, there's uh, those within Judah that are actually behaving in a, in a wicked way and in an unjust way. So there's, there's that danger there. Okay, So this is an, a nation that is, remember this is God's people, but they're acting in ways that are just completely, uh, un, uh, they just don't correspond with the way that God's people were meant to be. And the second danger they face is from the Babylonians, um, the Chaldeans. That we heard, the name that we heard there, that's the Babylonians. It's another name for the Babylonians. And these were a great army. And they were a constant threat to the nation of Judah. As we've just heard, they would go around and just take what they wanted. And wherever they wanted it. So they had these two dangers. Okay, so that's the context in which uh, Habakkuk was speaking into. Now my plan for this morning is this. So as per the aims of the series, I want us to think firstly about the character of God. And then I also want to think about actually what can we learn from these verses that will deepen our friendship with God. And my sermon title, if you're someone who takes notes and likes sermon titles, my sermon title is this, it's Honest to God. And hopefully that will become clear as we go through. Well, I've decided to call it that. So firstly, we want to think about the character of God. What do these verses, what do these early exchanges in this conversation teach us about the character of God? Now remember where we started. We're saying that for Habakkuk, his understanding of God was not corresponding to his experience of God's ways. And so actually as he's wrestling with this, he's like, but God, I thought you were like this. I thought this is the way that you would act. Actually, as we see uh, this, this back and forth, this conversation between Habakkuk and God, what we'll see is that God's character is revealed to us. So what is Habakkuk seeing in Judah with these dangers what is Habakkuk seeing we can list a few of these things from verses three and four he's seeing remember among the people of God he's seeing iniquity wrong destruction violence strife contention and wickedness as he's looking around this nation these are the things that he is seeing and he's got to this point of frustration 
Perhaps this point of anger or disappointment, or as we called it earlier on, this point of protest, this place where he's just crying out, why God? Why is this happening? He says this, doesn't he? He says Habakkuk's complaint. He says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? He's saying, God, why? Why aren't you doing anything? I'm looking around and I'm seeing the state of this nation. And I'm saying, God, why? How long do we have to wait? How long? It sounds like he's cried this before, doesn't it? If he's saying, how, how long? He's like, well, but I've brought this to you before. How long do we have to wait for you to act? Not only that, he's saying, why have you allowed me to see all of these things? Why is it that I can see all of these things? That I can see this suffering, this injustice, this oppression, and it seems like you're just turning a blind eye to it. It seems like you're not doing anything. I can see it, but it seems like either you can't see it, or you're not doing anything about it. That's, it's honest, isn't it? It's raw. This is what Habakkuk is saying. God, why? It's got these questions. These are bold questions. Almost as if God's some sort of an uninterested spectator of some kind, isn't it? It's like, he knows God's there, but it's like he's just looking on and just not doing anything about it. But Habakkuk doesn't hold back. Doesn't hold anything back. See, what he sees is impurity, wrong, destruction, violence, strife, contention and wickedness. But he's looking for something. He's looking for justice. He's looking for the things that are wrong to be made right. He's looking for where he sees wickedness and and oppression. He's looking for people to be treated properly. He's looking for there to be love and and, and community and fair treatment of people where actually he's seeing that the righteous people are actually being surrounded and hemmed in by the wicked people of the nation. He, he, He sees these things that are wrong, but he's looking for justice. Ultimately, he's looking for God to judge the nation so that it would recognize the state it's in, so that it would see where it's got to, and because they've got to the point, they would be able to be restored or to be revived. Psalm 3, verse 7 to 37 to 28, says that the Lord loves justice. It's part of his character. The Lord loves justice. And Habakkuk, in his understanding, remember we're talking about where his theology or understanding of God wasn't matching with what his experience was. He understood God to be just. He understood God to be righteous, but it's not, at least in this point, it's not being matched by his experience of what he's seeing. It's like, God, you're meant to be just. Or God, you are just and you are righteous, but I just don't see it when I look around me. I mentioned earlier about the message of the prophets being a message for us today. The reason I say that when we come to Habakkuk is because what Habakkuk was seeing was not unique to that time. If you look at our world, if you look at our society, from the local level to the international level, what do you see? Fairly often at dinner times, we like to have some music going on in the background uh, while we eat and chat and things. And Sometimes we'll just put the radio on, it's easier than choosing something, just put the radio on. But often at the time we're eating, it's the time when the news comes on. And for us enough, we particularly with our two young children, we're like, as soon as the news comes on, we turn it off straight away because we know the sort of stuff you're going to get through. 
See, can you relate to this? If we look at the world, we see injustice and violence and oppression and wickedness all around us, from the local to the international level. But, and have you ever cried out, maybe not in these words, but something like it, how long, oh God, is this going to go on for? How long, oh God, before something changes? Now around 605 BC, a prophet, Habakkuk, was waiting in a gap between what, would God, between what God would do and the fulfilment of it coming through. That's the, where we find Habakkuk. He's in this gap. God, I know what, you, I, know what I want to see you do, what, what you need to do but I've not seen it yet. He's waiting in that place. It's 2019 AD. We're living now between Jesus having come and the promise of his return where he will bring deliverance. As Habakkuk was waiting in that gap between this is what God is going to do, but still that fulfilment coming through. We too are living in that gap, waiting for Jesus to return where he will bring deliverance. That's what he will do when he will come. He will bring deliverance. And Habakkuk teaches us how to live, essentially, within that gap, with that sense of, this is what we're looking for, but we've not seen it in its fullness yet. We're waiting for it to come to fulfilment. So there is a lot that we can learn from Habakkuk, and the way that he engages with God, and the way that he engages with what he's seeing around him. There's a lot for us to learn today. Now, God loves justice. We heard that, didn't we, in that that verse from from the Psalms. It's what it says, God loves justice. It's in his character. But it's also meant to be in the character of his people. Let's read verse 4 again. Where Habakkuk says that the law is paralysed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Now, the law that God gave to his people, the law, was the basis of God's order for society. He's saying, this is the way that you should be with me but also with one another. This is the basis for for good living within society. If it's not functioning as it should, then what is absent is justice, because people just do what they want to do, irrespective of how it affects other people or the consequences on other people, resulting in the mistreatment of the wicked in Judah. This, This is what we see. Sorry, the mistreatment by the wicked in Judah. See, this sense of justice within the people of God is a huge thing. It should characterise the people of God. Isaiah 1, 16-17 says, Watch yourselves, well, sorry, wash yourselves, make yourself clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Remember, this is how God's people are meant to be. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Likewise, Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? If you've ever had that question, what is it that God requires of me? This is a good place to go. What, what, um, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? This is what God's people are called to be like. This is part of what the character of God's people is to be like because we reflect the character of God. Justice is to be a characteristic of God's people, which means that actually the church should be at the forefront of justice, of seeking justice, of seeing justice come through. This is why Habakkuk is crying out to God. He's saying we need to see justice. Something has gone wrong here. 
So Habakkuk has asked God about justice. Essentially, God, where is, you're meant to be a just God, so where are you? That's pretty much what he's saying. God responds, and in his response he gives the answer, and the answer is this, is that God is a God of justice, and God is going to act. That's what he says to Habakkuk. He's a God of justice, and he's going to act. The very thing that Habakkuk was calling for, he was calling for a restoration from wickedness and oppression, and a restoration to justice. And God goes on to say, this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. But this is how he's going to do it. You have to forgive me. I need to go back. Because it's quite important. I don't miss this bit out. So Habakkuk cries out and God responds. And he says this... He, he says that he is at work even though Habakkuk hadn't yet seen it. That's why I need to go back because this is important. He was, he was at work even though Habakkuk at that point hadn't seen what God was up to. Verse 5. This is God's response to Habakkuk's complaint. He says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. He's saying, I'm doing something. You haven't seen it yet. But I am working. And I am doing something about it. When I read it, it kind of seemed to me like he's saying, Habakkuk, look beyond the walls of your city. Look beyond the walls of the situation that you're in. Look out, because I, I am doing something. In your, in your situation, you might not be able to see it. Because it might be a bit... And as for all of us, we're limited, aren't we, by the situations or circumstances we find ourselves in. We can't always see beyond that. But God is saying to Habakkuk, look, look beyond your city... Have a look at what's going on in the nations because I'm doing something there. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he started with our Father in heaven. The fact that our Father is in heaven, that God is in heaven, is, is so, it's the reason I think Jesus included it is because it is so important for us to realise. Because it means that God's perspective is different to our perspective. See, Habakkuk was in Judah and he saw what was going on in Judah but his God was in heaven and he could see everything that was going on his perspective was so very different it's true for us today as well whatever situations we find ourselves in whatever seasons we find ourselves in whatever things get us to the point of frustration as Habakkuk finds himself in our God is in heaven and he sees things in a different way to, to the way that we do it's just the way we are we, we're limited aren't we in many ways and that's just part of what it is to be a person but that emphasises just how other God is than us, doesn't it? God appeared inactive, but don't mistake apparent <coughs> silence for inactivity. Just because we, don't, we are not aware of what's going on doesn't mean God is not doing something. Galatians 4 verse 4 says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. There'd been 400 years of apparent silence where the people were waiting for the Saviour to come. People might have been thinking, we've been forgotten. They might have had the same questions. God, how long do we have to wait? 400 years of apparent silence. But what does it say in Galatians? When the fullness of time had come. So when the time was right. Whose time? Not man's time, but God's time. When he decided this is the right time. And we need to, we need to, to remember that. Don't mistake whether we're thinking about a situation like Habakkuk's or if there's a situation that comes to your mind where you're thinking, God, 
I can't see what you're doing. Or why aren't you doing something about this? Know this. Don't, don't mistake an apparent silence for inactivity. <coughs> I've had situations in my life that have only really made sense in reverse as I've looked back. And I've seen, actually, I can see where God's done things along the way. And I would have, at, journeying through it, I would have mistaken that for God's not doing anything. At least that's how it felt to me. But now I can see, I've seen where he's... But the challenge is, it's when you're in the midst of it, isn't it? It's the holding on to that truth. But that's why we need to be sure about the character of God. So Habakkuk has asked God about justice, and in response, God gives the answer. Just recapping where I jumped to before. And the answer is that God is a God of justice, and he is going to act, and he's going to do what Habakkuk wants him to do. But in verse 6, this is how God says he's going to accomplish what Habakkuk is calling for. He says, For behold, I am raising up the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation. I don't think that's what Habakkuk was expecting as an answer. I'm pretty certain that's not what he wanted as an answer. He's saying, God, you need to, to do something. You need to set things right. This nation needs to be turned around from the way it's going. What are you, God, what are you going to do? And God says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to come and they're going to bring destruction, essentially, to your city. If you were Habakkuk, what would you be thinking? That is not the answer he was expecting, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not the answer he was wanting. And God goes on and he gives this description of this army. They sound like a really fearsome people group, don't they? Fearsome people. It's almost like God's just giving this... He's like, you want to know what these Babylonians are like? And he just gives this review of what they're like, just lists off. This is what they're known for. This is what they're known for. This is what they do. Wherever they go, this is what they do. So today is going to be somewhat of a cliffhanger this week because that's where we've read up to, isn't it? God's saying, this is what I'm going to do. And you might have questions of, God, why is God doing this? What sort of a response is that? But next week, we're going to be picking up on Habakkuk's response to what God has said. So it is somewhat of a cliffhanger. I'm sorry about that. It's just the way it's going to work. But remember, as we go through Habakkuk, we are continuing from a journey from protest to praise. So as desperate as this situation might seem now, and the questions that you might have now, we need to remember that this through the series is where we're heading from a place of protest to a place of praise. When I read through this, I thought, couldn't God have just said that the Babylonians were coming? Habakkuk would have understood that, right? I'm going to do something, I'm going to send the Babylonians. That would have been enough. Habakkuk would have known. So why did God go on and just list in detail? Can you imagine how Habakkuk just felt? Just layer upon layer. Of, and this is what the Babylonians are like. And this is what the Babylonians do. How must he have felt? Almost just like, God, I know. I know what's going to happen. Why are you laying it on? Just more and more. This stuff. And he builds up this picture, doesn't he, of what this army is like, what these people are like. And I think the reason, this is just my thought process, I think the reason God goes into such detail, and even for Habakkuk, he must have just felt himself, rather than getting, kind of finding more and more freedom and relief, he was probably feeling with everything that God adds, just another layer of desperation and, and fear. But I think the reason why comes down to what we were singing who can stop the Lord Almighty who can stop 
the Lord Almighty. Because what we'll see over the next few weeks is we've got this army. But then we see what happens when he sees the army in light of when he compares them to who his God is. So as desperate as it seems at this point, there's going to be a, there's going to be a place where he goes from fear to a place of praise because he knows who his God is. And in verse 11... It tells us that for the Babylonians, their God is their might. That's where their hope was. Their hope was based in who they were. They were, they were proud of it. They were proud of their might. They were proud of the things that they did. It says their God is their might. Their hope was in themselves. But Habakkuk's God is the God of Israel. Habakkuk's God is the creator and sustainer of all things. He's the God of time and eternity. He's the one seated in heaven. So these Babylonians... As as fearsome as they were, they served themselves. But Habakkuk, this one guy who is crying out to God, his God is the one who's seated in heaven. So the question of character has been answered. Habakkuk is pretty much saying, God, do you, are you actually interested in, in justice? And God responds, I love justice and I'm going to bring it. I'm going to move on. So thinking, actually, how do these early exchanges lead us into a deeper friendship with God? Having heard what we've just read, you might be thinking, actually, how does this teach us anything about friendship with God? Because some of that is hard to hear, isn't it? It's hard to read and to think about what God's response was and what God's plans were. So how can we go deeper in our friendship with God? Phil Moore says this in his commentary on Habakkuk. He says that a relationship with God isn't first and foremost about the things you believe about him, but the conversations you enjoy with him. When Jesus returns from heaven, he warns that he will have to say to many people who knew a lot about him, I never knew you away from me. So relationship with God is not just about the things you understand or know about him. It's about the conversations you enjoy with him. This book is a conversation. This is about Habakkuk speaking with God like a close friend. I asked this question earlier. I'm going to ask it again. Can we relate to Habakkuk getting to that place where it's just like, why God? Whether about the state of the world that we see or whether about any situation that we've got going on. Where we've got to that point of just saying, why God? What do we do with that? When we get to that place. If we're feeling frustrated or angry or disappointed, what is, what is the right response for us within that? How do we handle it well? I think Habakkuk shows us how we handle it well. Because he brings his frustration, he brings his anger, his disappointment, his confusion, and he brings it to God. He doesn't feel like, I can't bring this to God. This isn't appropriate. You know, this doesn't seem right. Actually, he brings it all to God. He does the very best thing he can do with it. He directs it to the very person that he needs to most. He brings it all. He's honest. I think we can all agree. In his, he's totally honest with God. And this is a lesson that we all need to learn at some point. If we, if we have a relationship with God, we need to get to that point where we realise uh, we need to be able to bring everything to God and be totally honest with him. And Habakkuk is such a helpful lesson for us in seeing that. We might think, we might be hesitant to do that because we might think that questioning God is disbelief, uh, is um, being disobedient. That we don't feel we can do that because there's some sort of disobedience there. But Tim Hughes 
says this. He says that questioning God doesn't mean that we are disobeying him. Expressing anger and pain to God is a beautiful and intimate act. And he goes on to say, actually, in our, daily, in our everyday lives, the people that we are most likely to share our deepest fears and hurts with are those that we love and trust the most. We need to be able to do that with God. And I've put a little note here in a different colour, so I make sure I say it. And this is true of every area in life. Yes, with Habakkuk, we're looking at the state of a nation. And we're looking at the need for God to come and bring justice. But actually, in every area of life, individually and corporately, we need to be able to get to that place where, we just, where, where we're able to question God. And to feel able to question God without feeling like it's inappropriate or, or disobedient. So I would encourage you, if you're in a place right now where you've got questions, where you're like, God, how long do I have to wait? God, why aren't you acting in this way? I can see what I think I need you to do, but why aren't you doing it? Take it to God. Be honest with him. Don't hold it back. But the book also, this book also teaches us that when we speak to God, God replies. This is a two-way conversation. It's not just Habakkuk writing down his complaints and his thoughts. This is Habakkuk speaks to God, God responds. And we see this as we go through. And as God spoke to Habakkuk, he reveals his plans. It might not, at this point, they might not be the plans that Habakkuk was wanting. But God's, can you see there's that element of friendship there where God's saying, you've asked me, I'm going to reveal something to you. So I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to re- reveal my plans. John 10, 27, Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if you are following Jesus, we should have the expectation that actually as we speak to God, God will speak to us as well. But I think the challenge we can face, and the thing we need to be aware of, is that we don't always give time to answer. We don't always give God time to answer us. We need to allow him time and space to speak. Do we simply come to him, leave our problems and run? Or even our thanksgiving, we can come to God with our thanksgiving and just pour out thanksgiving and then just kind of disappear off and get on with things. Can we be like that? We just simply come, unload everything and then just go before giving God a chance to respond. God is not a feedback form. He's not a complaints box. He's a father who loves and welcomes his children. And he loves to respond. When we pray, be looking and listening for God's reply. That's something I'd love for each of us to take with us. When you pray, be looking and listening for God's reply. How does God speak? Be through through the Bible, through what we're reading. God will speak to us through that. Through using others, perhaps through conversations or through the prophetic, through something you experience, maybe the Holy Spirit just speaking quietly to your soul, just speaking to you. But we need to be looking and listening for God's reply. I just want to finish with this, because these are a couple of lessons, or I just want to share a couple of lessons that I'm learning now, that have kind of, when I was going through this, I, I recognise that these are things that I'm learning. See, for me, I've done, I've done honesty, not in the sense that I'm done with it. It's something that I have been, been doing in terms of I've got to a point where in my relationship with God, I'm just 
this is how I'm feeling. I'm just going to be honest with you, God, about what's happening. And I've, I've done that for, for quite some time. But the thing I'm now learning is to listen more. Is making that room. Being more deliberate. Not just coming to God with, with my honest prayers of how I'm feeling and then just running off. Actually, it's just, just being more deliberate and aware of God. What are you going to say to me in light of this? I'm learning this particularly in the season that we're in as a church. Because as we're going through this season of change, it's raising a lot of questions for me. And I'm thinking, but God, maybe what we're seeing, I'm kind of, there's this thing between what I would, what maybe even what I was hoping for isn't matched by the experience of what we're going through. So I'm being honest with God about, God, kind of what are you doing? What have you got for us? Where are you leading us? What's going on? And honest prayers, even to the point, I think I shared with you before where I say, God, I don't understand what's happening, but I trust you in it. But for me in this season, where I'm being honest, I feel like for us as a church, we've had so many words and encouragements over the last six months or so in a way that we've not had consistently before that. I feel like God is wanting to talk to us, talk us through this season and talk to us about the things that he's going to be doing. But I've had it for me personally as well. It kind of feels like most places I go in terms of conferences and meetings with other leaders, people have got stuff to share with me. And that's a comfort for me, because as I'm pouring my heart out to God, God is speaking to me. But now I have a responsibility of what do I do when God speaks. And the thing I'm learning is this, is that when people are bringing stuff or when God's speaking, I'm writing it down and I'm recording it so I can keep coming back to it. So when those questions come back up again, when I'm in that place of, God, what, what are you doing? Not just for us as a church, but just through life generally. I'm coming back to these things, like, but God has said this. God is speaking. God has good plans for us. He's spoken them to us. But we sometimes, we have to go through that journey. We have to go through that journey. And I think, well, talking about being honest, so let me be honest with you. I feel like I'm depending on God now more or in different ways than I have ever had to before. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because I'm learning more about God. I'm learning more about God through this season. So that's something I'm learning now. The other thing I'm learning is this. I just want to pick up on verse 5. Is it verse 5? It is verse 5. Where God says, For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. The other thing I'm learning is this, is that learning to listen or learning to hear is one thing. It's quite another thing to believe when God responds. When God speaks, we need to believe what he says to us. And again, for me, over the last year or so, I'm having to take God at his word and say, God, I believe because you've spoken these things. I believe it. So it's one thing to hear, but it's another thing to actually believe what God has said to us. So we've seen these very early exchanges in this progression that Habakkuk goes through from praise, not from praise, going from protest to praise. We've seen the very early stages of that today. We've seen, we've looked at what does this teach us about God's character? It teaches us that God is a God who loves justice. 
and that actually for his people we're to be a people who are at the forefront of justice. And in terms of what does this, how does this deepen our relationship, how does this deepen our friendship with God, it teaches us that we need to come to God with honesty through every season, that we can bring everything to him. We don't need to hold anything back, but as we do so, we don't just need to, um, we don't just need to bring our, our prayers to him, we need to be looking and listening for that response back for him, from him. Because this life of discipleship, the Christian life, is one of conversations with God. I don't want it. I'd, for, my, for my life, I don't want my Christian walk to be one of just one-way traffic of just me to God all the time. I'm missing, you, I'm missing something, if that's it, because God longs to speak to us as well. So I think in these early exchanges, there's a lot for us to learn and a lot for us to take hold of. Um,